This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. This is Ashley Hales, and I'm the host of the Finding Holy podcast and author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. And we're trying something a little new for the month of January. It's a suburban boot camp. It's a little bit fun, a little bit off the cuff. My husband, Bryce Hales. Say hi, Bryce. Howdy. <laughs> He's not from Texas, but you know, uh, we're here with our tea. We're warding off the January colds. Fighting off colds, throwing back airborne. Is that what it's called? Airborne? I think so. All right. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, if you got cold remedies, let us know. But we're here, and we want to talk about connecting the big idea of the gospel into our actual, everyday, ordinary lives. And we want to talk about what that looks like in the suburbs. Last week, if you were with us, we chatted about the idea of consumerism, and particularly the idea of convenience, and that as Christians, if we want to live gospel-focused lives, we actually have to kind of make this mental shift away from convenience and comfort because we know those sorts of things will lull us into spiritual apathy. And today, Bryce and I are going to chat a little bit about what that looks like in terms of hospitality. How does the gospel propel us outwards into our neighborhoods, into our churches to love people like Jesus loves people? So what is, how does the gospel move us away from convenience? The gospel is the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ to reconcile uh, the world and humanity to himself uh, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so um, how does that move us away from convenience? Well, the gospel tells us that God has taken care of us, so we don't need to worry about ourselves anymore. Mm. He's reconciled us to himself. And uh, so we don't have to. We don't have to worry about: Am I good enough? Am I uh, happy enough? You know, we have a Father who loves us, yeah. who takes care of us through the power of the gospel. Our vertical relationship with God is restored, and uh, that enables us to then begin to worry about other people, to care for other people, to move towards our neighbors in love. So the gospel is God moving towards us, making room for us, reconciling Himself to us, which yeah. then allows us to uh, do the same for others. That's really cool. I love the idea of thinking about the gospel in terms of welcome or making room, um, because I feel like we can talk about the word gospel and we're like, what do you mean by that? Or we have like these really deep theological answers. It's not to say that theology isn't important and that the gospel doesn't infuse all of who we are and how we live. But I think it's really imperative that we realize that often what we say we believe about God is disconnected from how we actually live. And so I think the idea of making room is a really like tangible, practical way to talk about ideas of hospitality and ideas of the gospel that can get really abstract. Yeah, definitely. So I'm also thinking about, I love what you said about this vertical and horizontal relationship. And I've noticed, I think in my own life, how my vertical relationship with God has changed in one practical way. We were just chatting about this the other day, is that we have tried, Bryce and I, to pray together more regularly uh, since 2019 began as one way both to connect with each other, but more importantly, to connect with God, to involve God in 
kind of the margin of our days um, to surround ourselves, you know, with prayer. That has been really transformative, even just in the few weeks of making that a consistent habit. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, we've been uh, we've been praying, trying to pray the hours, the uh, you know, which is really the ancient practice of the church. But um, we've been trying four times a day, morning, noon, uh, evening, and then right before bed to uh, to pause to read scripture to pray and you don't have to spend 45 minutes alone in your you know prayer closet to be <laughs> yeah. a holy christian um you can you know, put the the psalm reading for the day and to read it out loud as you sit down yeah or i mean i set an alarm for uh, noon to remind me to to pray the psalms and we've just going through sequentially one psalm a day and uh, my alarm goes off at noon and um i can you know snooze it if I need to, but I if I'm having a lunch meeting with somebody in the church, I can pull out, you know, oh, Psalm it. eight on my phone and say, Hey, I'm reading the Psalms, it's noon, let's read Psalm oh, eight that's together. So cool. I love it. Um but yeah, it doesn't it can take five minutes, but it's a chance to stop in the middle of the day and remember that God is with us. He's been with us. Um, whether we acknowledged it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think too this year, I've really been in a journey. Those of you who have read my book, you'll see in the center of the book, really, aside from all of these idols like convenience and consumerism and busyness, is then before you get to the practice, how do you live out your faith in the suburbs? It's we have to repent, we have to believe, and we have to live out of a space of being beloved of God. And so for me, I think some of these prayer times that we have had have helped me to kind of internalize who is Jesus and who does Jesus say that I am uh, by just actually reading scripture. It's like, duh. But anyway, sometimes you just got to do the the normal thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we're saying, I think, is that part of the work of what the gospel does in our lives, restoring our relationship with God, is lived out by um, just finding ways to acknowledge the presence of God Mm -hmm. throughout our ordinary lives. Small habits. Yeah. And besides this kind of vertical relationship that has changed in the gospel, what is is this horizontal idea there of what does it look like to like, how does the gospel change our horizontal relationships between people? Yeah. So the gospel um, changes our relationships with other people. Um, by allowing us to stop worrying about ourselves and begin to therefore care for our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. And um, the word that the Bible uses for that and that Christians have used for 2,000 years is hospitality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hospitality has been the sacred vocation of the church for 2,000 years. And in our day, we tend to think of hospitality primarily in terms of either Martha Stewart, which is more entertainment, or we talk about the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. But hospitality is really just the simple practice of making room for people. And Mm -hmm. the thing I love about about encouraging Christians and the practice of hospitality is that uh, when we talk about evangelism, I think that most Christians are so terrified of the prospect of evangelism that they never um, right. go there. Right. But we have had the privilege of seeing uh, people's lives changed 
as a result of hospitality. And so, I mean, when I was a college pastor, um, there was a there was a student who, um, you know, over the course of a couple months, we got to know and uh, regularly having college students into our home. But she was just sort of a, you know, kind of a hard on your sleeve. Uh, good, you could tell if she was having a good day or a bad day just by by kind of looking at her. And um, one day I was trying to get students to sign up to help us promote our uh, ministry on campus and nobody was doing it. I was getting frustrated and she grabbed the clipboard from me and goes around the room and starts saying, Hey, when are you, you know, Andrew, I need you to sign up, you know, Justin, when are you going to, when are you going to be there? And uh, I remember looking at each other and going, what in the world happened? And, um, because it was like, it was, she was so circumstantially based, like, you know, tossed to and fro based on her circumstances and her feelings. And so to see that and confidence. to see that confidence and that change of character, we looked at each other kind of across the room. You know, what happened? And um, Jesus saying, happened. She meant <laughs> Jesus. Um, but it, it wasn't a result of, you know, one conversation that anyone had with her where the gospel just clicked. Uh, it, it came slowly as a result of uh, many conversations but that only happens because mm-hmm. only happens because we made room mm-hmm. to invite students into our home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the power of hospitality is in the simplicity of it. It doesn't have to be you know an elaborate meal. Um, it doesn't have to be anything special. But just um, putting in a date on the calendar, inviting friends, neighbors, coworkers over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the inviting making, them into our lives. And I think the making room piece is really helpful because it, we can kind of break it down. Like, am I making room in my, you know, in my time? Right? Do I have space on the calendar? Am I making room in my body? Like, am I looking at people, or am I always constantly distracted by my phone? You know, am I making room in my affection, in my heart, in my imagination for people who are far from Christ? And I think those are some really good diagnostic questions too. As we kind of make practical choices. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think all of that's super great. And I love all the ideas. But what do we actually do, right? So, you know, let's let's brainstorm for a second. Let's say I'm a person. I've lived in my house for five years. I kind of wave to people. But, uh, you know, I'm feeling a little convicted as I'm listening to this podcast. I want to make room for people. What do I do? Where do I start? Yeah. Well, the, I think that we just have to start. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of the bottom line. But I, I think that it's easy to live with this fear that, oh, gosh, like I, I, I've lived in my house for a long time. I should know my neighbors. I don't. I'm a terrible person. I think that your neighbors feel the same way. Yeah. Last week, um, a kid who is uh, going to be on the soccer team with one of our boys stopped by our house to see if we could carpool together to practice. The mom did. Yeah. And and she said to me, she's like, remind me what your, of your name again. And I did not think she was an evil, awful person <laughs> because she couldn't remember my name. It's no big deal. Right. I reminded her my name. We went on with life. Yeah. Um, but so I think that you always have the opportunity to just say to a neighbor, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. I should know your name. Could you remind me? Uh, of, of what your name is. Uh, but then I think beyond that, look for opportunities to um, to open up your home. You know, the Super Bowl's a couple weeks away. It's a, it's a great opportunity uh, to just invite a couple families over and say, hey, let's watch the game. Most people might have plans if they care. If they don't, uh, it, it, it's, it's not about the game. It's about giving people an excuse to say yes. And people we kind of know, right? Like, 
I feel like often when we open up our home, we're just like, I just want to pick all my favorite friends, right? Instead of what does it look like? I think, but the gospel, right, compels us beyond just our comfort with the people that we already like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, having your friends over, that's that's not hospitality. Right. <laughs> that's, um, that's entertaining. Right. That's, well, that's having fun with friends. Um, that Maybe that's fellowship, but fellowship and hospitality are not the same hmm. thing. Biblically, hospitality is, is making room for the least of these, those uh, in most need of God's love. But it can be really powerful to do a you know do a party where you kind of combine invite some people that you know well and uh, invite some people that you're just getting to know Mm, i love it okay so just practically what if i'm not a good cook yeah so the thing about hospitality is it's not about the quality of the food i mean it needs to be edible and presentable and you don't want to invite people into a disgusting situation but you can go to costco pick up a couple of lasagnas pick up a couple of you know pre-made hors d'oeuvres uh invite people into your house um bagged salads bagged salads you know uh wipe down any sticky surfaces with baby wipes um, put any, you know, especially dirty laundry, but even unfolded clean laundry, you know, shove that behind closed doors. And uh, and that, that's good enough. I think at one point I found once a pair of our kids' underwear in the powder room. So, you know, you probably yeah, in the won't. Middle, in the yeah. middle of, a, of having people over. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. It just really made them feel comfortable. Yeah. But I, I think that's actually the beauty and somewhat of the purpose of hospitality. I mean, when I only see you during school, drop off, pick up, you know, at work for, I I don't know, when I only see you for 15 minutes a week, I can keep up this marketing campaign (laughs) like I have my life all together. Totally. But when I'm inviting you into my house and into the real mess of who I am, uh, maybe that's what actually opens up the door to relationship. Yeah. And then to the gospel. Exactly. So I feel like we're like headed towards our small step for the end of our episode. And Bryce, since you're just like rocking it here on (laughs) the hospitality thing, like give us a small step. What do we do? So we we've talked about making room and the gospel talked about it's okay to just dive into the awkward. What do we do? Yeah, so one small step, um, if you're listening to this and you're saying, I want to see the gospel come to life in my life uh, through the practice of hospitality, what I want to encourage you to do is pick a date, uh, look three weeks out whenever you're listening to this, and just put a date on the calendar. Uh, don't make it like this weekend. You got to give people enough time, but don't make it so far down the road that you will find all kinds of excuses to not follow through between now and then. Uh, pick a date three weeks out. Um, you know, if you're listening to this right as we're recording it, the Super Bowl's in a couple weeks. That's a great excuse. You know, if, if you're listening to this a little bit, maybe uh, it's Memorial Day. Um, maybe you want to share your, um, you know, your favorite barbecue recipe with your friends. Give, give people a reason to say yes. Yes. Ooh, I like that. It doesn't have to be fancy, but give them a reason to say yes. Put a date on the calendar three weeks in advance and then uh, just just make it happen. You know, that's the date. Invite some people. Um, not everybody's going to say yes. People have scheduling conflicts, but everybody's going to be excited that they were invited. invited. And one thing just, you know, I notice for me, I always get worried like, oh, my gosh, my house is a mess or it's too small or it's not pretty enough. And the thing that we've noticed as we've continually made a practice of opening up our home is people are happy to squish around dining tables or stand up. They are just happy to be invited. They're just stoked to not have to 
create the meal and do the dishes, honestly, a lot of the times. So don't worry about it. Dive in. Yeah, I love it. You know, we love watching HGTV and um, the designs shows and everything. But every one of those shows, you know, you get this young couple moving into their first house and everybody says, oh, we've got to have room for entertaining. And um, I mean, nobody does that in in the culture that we live in, in in the suburbs, especially. Um, They're eating their takeout on their granite island. Let's let's put those granite countertops to work, people. (laughs) Or just whatever countertop you have. We are so thankful you guys are joining us for this episode of Suburban Boot Camp number two. We will be back next week with you guys because we're going to talk about this disconnect between what we say we believe and how we actually live a little bit more in depth as we talk about family mission statements. So if you have enjoyed this episode of Finding Holy in the Suburbs, thank you so much for listening. I have just a few things I'd like for you to do. The first is... I am really excited because I am coming out with a leader guide for my book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs. It's going to have some favorite recipes that'll be really great for you as you continue to practice hospitality and making room for people. So go ahead. I'll put all the links at aahales.com slash podcast so that you can go ahead and order your copies of Finding Holy in the Suburbs to study in a group. It will be great to have some people around with you to keep you accountable in your hospitality mission. And secondly, if you find yourself drowning in a world of noise, besides just listening to the podcast, I wanted to invite you to head on over to aahills.com slash podcast. I'm going to put a link to what I am calling the essential three. It's just a short weekly little note that shows up in your inbox with three links around beauty, truth, and goodness. Because we don't need more to do and we don't need more clutter for our souls or our lives or our closets. We need a little bit of beauty. So head on over and make sure you get that in your inbox today. Thanks for joining us on the Finding Holy podcast. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you next week all about family mission statements because big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.